All right, guys, welcome to the On It podcast. Uh, we got a very special guest, and when I when I say that, I I, <laughs> I know we've got some special guests quite often, but Paul Check has joined us. He came into town and um, he jumped on the Aubrey Marcus podcast. He jumped on the On It podcast with myself. I got to spend a lot of time with this guy. Uh, he did some physical work on us, working on some of these balancing practices that he's known for. I mean, to put it plainly, I've never met a guy who knew more about important shit than Paul Check. To put it in a sentence, as Dr. Dan Engel said, uh, he is the epitome of total human optimization. And this guy has a wealth of knowledge on all things nutrition, supplementation, corrective exercise. Uh, he worked with the Chicago Bulls when Michael Jordan was on the team. He was a boxer in the military. He ended up becoming a trainer. Not long after that, a triathlete at the same time, he was training boxing in the military, doing four-hour boxing classes and then going and winning triathlons. Just an incredible beast of a man. He's 56 years old. We got a ton of video of this guy working out with me, just putting me under the table. I mean, we... we we did some warm-ups and what I thought was jumping right into some heavy stuff and quickly realized that Paul was just getting loose. And uh, we finished with some some pretty heavy barbell standing lunges. And I got 225 on my back for two reps each side, which was a personal best. And Paul continued up to 275 for four reps on each leg. Then he gave me the when I was your age bit. When I was your age, I was using 315 for six reps, four sets each leg. Now that's, I mean, at any age, that's that's ridiculous. There's plenty, I mean, he's a one percenter when it comes to the physical, but as you'll hear here, um, as you'll hear, as you'll hear here, <laughs> as you'll hear here, Paul is got so much to tell people about purpose and meaning in life and what we can draw from each other, how we can to live this life better. I mean, really just what our focus is, what on it's all about to live each day better than we did the day before. And Paul really breaks that down. Uh, he gets fairly complex at times and he breaks it down really simple at other times, but all of it's digestible if you pay attention. So really pay attention to this one. I'm going to listen to this one a couple more times and um, dive into Paul's work. You know, he's he's got a wealth of knowledge. He has 500 videos on YouTube, all for free, breaking down everything from how to use a Swiss ball to kettlebell exercises to spirituality and consciousness, uh, meditation practices like Qigong and standing breath work, which I've embodied a ton of, and it has, you know, much like Wim Hof, feeling is believing type feel to it. You feel better after five minutes of doing this breath work, even two minutes of doing this breath work. So there's really just so much to it. I want to get him back as often as I fucking can. Let me put it that way. I like to get him here uh, every third month, you know, get him on the show at least four times a year. And um, there, you know, we could do that for 10 years and we still would be just scratching the tip of the iceberg with this guy. That's how much he knows. You can dive into his book that really changed the game for me. When I was first getting into mixed martial arts, the book, How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy, it's about 20 bucks on Amazon. And really what's great about it is that there's a number of questionnaires that you fill out and you score, and you can see how to prioritize what are the things that are holding you back in life. So that may be a gut intolerance, digestion, uh, it could be sleep, it could be a number of things, and there's actionable items on how to fix that. 
So he covers every single base possible on how to optimize your life in the book and then gives you a detailed path for how you can accomplish that in your own way. And I'll say it again, there's no one size fits all approach to diet, sleep, any of that stuff. And Paul really helps you define what's best for you. So give this podcast a listen, leave us a five-star rating and tell all your friends, your mom, your sister to check out this podcast because it's, it's a really, it's a massive one. This is my favorite podcast I've ever done and it might stay up there until I get back with them again. Thank you all for listening. Here we are. On it podcast, I am joined by one of my fucking heroes, Paul Check, the man who got me into health and wellness, the man that taught me about eating organic, the man that taught me about food intolerances, the man that showed me I was fucking gluten intolerant, Oops. all through very easy do-it-yourself testing. And that was all in How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy, yes. a fucking fantastic book where Paul covers everything under the sun and outside of it. But um, fuck, man, we've had uh, an excellent 48 hours. It's hard we to have, believe it's been that fast, right? I have, and I feel like I found a soul, brother, a fragment of myself who's better looking, stronger, faster, and more beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about stronger. We just finished up a, uh, a, a, good, a good workout. Not grueling. I won't put it that way. No. But fucking hard, nonetheless. We, uh, we got after it. I was doing, we finished, we'll just say the top set. We finished with, um, I finished with two and a quarter on the barbell back lunge for a double each leg. And yeah. then Paul was just getting warm. So he finished with 275 for five or six on each side. I think four on four. each side. Yeah. Okay. There you go. You were keeping track. My philosophy is work hard, rest hard. That's right. And so I train hard, but not to the point that I'm losing form. And then I work in with just as much passion as I work out to keep the juices flowing. That's perfect. So you're, you're hitting the nail on the head with what I want to talk about today. Good. Because there is a fucking infinite amount of things we can talk about. And uh, for all you guys listening right now, I'm not sure when this is launching. It might be before, it might be after, but on the Aubrey Marcus podcast, our glorious CEO of On It. Paul has done an excellent, excellent podcast with Aubrey, diving into a lot of the cooler shit on spirituality yeah. and shamanism and having two wives and just some really rad topics. What but love is. What love is. There what we God go. God is. There we go. What life is. But for this one, we're gonna we're gonna try to dumb it down a bit. Not because I think that you guys are dumb, but just because of the fact that we really only have an hour here, and uh, Paul does know a shit ton about functional strength and conditioning. Uh, working in, how to get quiet, and we'll talk mm -hmm. about the four doctors. Yeah. We'll talk about really what the core tenets of health include, which is a big one. And I know this, not only because I lived it, but because of the fact that every time I do a Facebook Live, I get a lot of the same fucking questions. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. No. It just means people are still searching for answers. Yes. And there's a lot to be uncovered there. But, um, man, it's great to have you here. Thank Let's you. Let's talk about working in. Let's talk yeah. about the concept of working out versus working in. Yes. Okay, well, first of all, let's start with working out because people are familiar. Listen to the words working, which means to do work, out, which means that you're putting energy from your body outward into the outer environment. If you're lifting a weight, it's outside of you. If you're running to get from point A to B, you're moving yourself outside. You're moving your body somewhere. 
So the flow of energy is from the inside to the outside and working out. That's like using a credit card and spending money. You always have to put it back in the bank or you go into a deficit, which means eventually your car will be repossessed, your house will be repossessed, which in physiological terms means you go into a forced rest, an illness or a disease or something gets broken and you get grounded. Working in is a concept I developed that means you're using a combination of breathing, movement, and mental um, relaxation that results in the production of more energy per unit of time for the exercise than what you, than the exercise cost to do, which is putting money in the bank. Working out means you walk out of the gym spent. You have to go recuperate. You got to eat. You got to breathe. You got to rest to build yourself back up. And if you don't, then if you can't, to quote Charlie Francis, who was Ben Johnson's trainer, if you can't improve your performance in the gym by 1% to 3% each successive workout, you do not belong in the gym. Most athletes do not understand that. They don't have the patience. If you couple working in with working out, because you're accumulating more life force energy per unit of time invested than you spend, you actually leave with a surplus of energy, which means you have more anabolic tissue recovery, rebuilding, regeneration, restoration power than you would if you had not worked in. And the only thing you can do that come close to working in is quality sleep, which most people also don't get. So working in is unique because working in means that you harmonize breathing and movement with, in my technology, simple movement so the ego does not have to think about form, and that harmonizes the three chief biological oscillators, which are the key electromagnetic energy producers. So the brain, the heart, and the solar plexus and all the organs and glands controlled by the solar plexus are the three chief biological oscillators. Heart mass research showed the heart has an electromagnetic field 5,000 times stronger than the brain, and the brain's field is stronger than the solar plexus. So to put this into perspective, if a body's healthy and balanced, these three centers work in harmony with each other, so it's like rowing a boat with two other people. If they're out of tune, you're never going to be efficient, and somebody that's half your strength but more, more efficient and better time will beat you. When we're in harmony and our breathing and our movements fall into harmony and our mind relaxes, heart mass research shows, for example, that the activity of the solar plexus, which is linked to peristalsis, so if a person's in a relaxed state, and I'll segue by saying a work in is done when your heart rate does not speed up, your breathing rate does not speed up, your tongue stays moist. Your tongue's part of your gastrointestinal system. So if you switch from parasympathetic to sympathetic, your tongue starts to dry out. And Cotton you, mouth. Yes, and you should be able to work in on a full stomach because work-in exercises activate the parasympathetic system, which is the digest, eliminate, rebuild, and repair system. So with athletes that are too aggressive, I have them start doing workout training right after a meal, 
And if they go too fast, it makes them uncomfortable. Nobody likes to do 40-yard sprints after a turkey dinner because we know intuitively that it just doesn't feel good and we'll vomit. But working in enhances the digestive process. So to train people, I have them do it right after a meal because then they have that built-in check and balance that says, you know, if I'm not paying attention, I know for sure I'm feeling uncomfortable because I'm not digesting here. So when you're moving in time with your breath and your heart rate slows down after about anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes for most people, your brain, your heart, and your waves of peristalsis all phase lock with each other, and that induces what's called a peak or a flow state. And if the mind's relaxed and the body's in harmony, you lose your sense of space and time, and you go into no mind, which is the ability to be conscious in a state that you would normally be sound asleep in. So you actually leave the awareness function on, but the ego faculty of the thinking mind lays down and goes to sleep. So you enter into a state of moving wholeness. And there's fucking entire books written about this. Uh, the Rise of Superman by Stephen Kotler. They rehash it again in many different forms in the follow-up with Jamie Wheel, uh, Stealing Fire. Yeah. And... It's funny because they'll talk about psychedelics and different things and, and all the different modes. You know, mm -hmm. Laird Hamilton, mm -hmm. who you've trained in the past, dropping yeah. into a 50-foot giant wave, things like that, that if you're not in flow, you're dead, right? So yeah. a lot of these extreme athletes and things like that, they put their life on the line, like Danny Way, another guy you've trained, yeah. because of the fact that that's what drops them into flow. And it's not the addiction to adrenaline, it's the addiction mm -hmm. to flow. But here you have set up a number of... Keep it simple, stupid, kiss, yeah, right? Yeah. Very simple and effective protocols yeah. that can allow us to touch this space. And yes. something I've been harping on people to do more is to work with Dr. Quiet, to yeah. work on meditation, to work on these things. And a lot of people, especially dudes, <clears throat> and myself, and I fucking throw me in the same bank. Mm -hmm. I have real trouble with the idea of sitting quietly in a room that's dark uh, for 30, 40 minutes, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. But we can do working in with movement right we attach mm -hmm. breath work to movement so mm -hmm. what's an easy uh an easy piece or an easy take home you could talk someone through uh as for something to do with regards to working in well one of the things i'll say to preface that is is that the breathing and in, in the movement are critical and most people have such a poor understanding of the concept of breathing and movement that the first thing we want to establish is a very foundation principle. If the body is moving toward the fetal position, we all know what that is, I hope, that's coupled with exhalation. Anytime you close your rib cage down, you decrease space in the lung cavity, you crowd the organs, which pushes them up into the lung cavity, so you need to be exhaling. <clears throat> so flexion, <clears throat> adduction, and internal rotation equals the fetal position if you take it to the end. If you're moving out of the fetal position, which is called supination, which means extension, abduction, moving away from the midline, and supination, you can turn your hand over and hold a cup of soup. Or if you're a sprinter coming out of the blocks, you're exploding with supination. Supination equals acceleration. Pronation equals deceleration. Toward the fetal position is deceleration. Out of the fetal position is acceleration for an athlete. If you accelerate a kettlebell, that's supination. That would be coupled with an inhalation movement if you're using light enough weights that you don't have to hold your breath. 
So the simple exercise anyone can do is to stand up and start by breathing in. So you're standing up, you breathe in. Now, as you exhale, just squat down like you're going to have a poop in the woods and go as far as you can comfortably go without struggling. If it's only a quarter of a squat, that doesn't matter. Time your breathing so that when you come to the end of your breath, you're at the end of your squat or the bottom. And then simply begin to inhale through your nose as you come up. Keep your tongue on the roof of the mouth just behind the front teeth so that you can cycle chi through your body because if the tongue's not on the roof of the mouth, then you lose what's really the equivalent of the alternator function in the car. The alternator recharges the battery as the system drains it to run the ignition system, the lights, the stereo, etc. So the microcosmic orbit, which is made of the conception vessel in the front of the body, the governing vessel in the back, governing is masculine, conception in the front of the body is the feminine vessel. Chi circulates, life force energy circulates with every breath through that microcosmic orbit, which is the origin of the energy source for all the 12 major meridian systems in the body. So if the tongue's not on the roof of the mouth where it goes naturally when you swallow, then it breaks the cycle of recirculation of life force and you now bleed energy off with every activity. Just like if you run your engine without the alternator, you'll only get so far before everything crashes because there's no more power to run the ignition system. You turn it into a workout huffing and puffing. Exactly. So the key thing is, as you're dropping down the squat, you're timing your exhale to the approximate number of seconds it takes you to drop down. If you're starting to speed up in your breathing because your body needs more oxygen, then you got to make the squat shallower. It doesn't matter even if you only squat two inches, but if you slow, the, if you shorten the squat, then you got to lengthen the time to match the breath. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So you adjust the depth of the movement and the intensity of the movement specifically so your heart rate and your breathing do not speed up. This is the trick. Most athletes are so caught in the no pain, no gain concept, they don't realize that to work in is the antagonist. It is the yin of the yang. So now we don't go no pain, no gain. We go train, don't drain. So the training is being having the discipline to listen to your body and let it guide you. And when you do a work in, like if you just did 20 or 30 breathing squats and breathe as you breathe in, remember the first two thirds of the breath that should come from belly expansion, only the last one third should fill the chest. You fully oxygenate your body. Oxygen is the most paramagnetic substance ever measured, which means it has an affinity for the south pole of a magnet. Water and body tissues are diamagnetic, which means they have an affinity for the north pole of a magnet. So think of what makes an electric motor. The alter, um, uh, an electric motor generates power because you alternate north and south pole energies, which makes a rotor spin. So when we oxygenate our bodies, we fill ourselves with a positive charge that the cells can use in juxtaposition with the negative charge that's inherently present in water and tissue. So by breathing effectively and saturating our blood and body with oxygen, we set up a massive electromagnetic field potential, which is what life force, that's one of the forms of life force that gives us the energy to recover from exercise, to calm our mind, to think more clearly, to have a better sex drive, to be more creative, and to actually get more quality work done in the gym because 
look, if you take steroids, that's one way to do it, but you still aren't learning to be more conscious and you're cheating the system and you're poisoning the system because well, that's you just might toxic. end up fucking burning up the candle at both ends well, as well. Well, you burn the liver out. You know, it's not an... an uh, to use steroids without mastering the steroids that you have inside of you is kind of... Um, uh, it's like someone not using the technology that they already have that's designed by nature that's far better than anything you can buy off of a store or get in a needle anyhow... So when I'm working with athletes, even athletes that use steroids because almost everybody's using them and they can't keep up to these guys without them, I say, well, master the basics first because if you master the basics and then use the steroids, you got power on top of power. But if you're using steroids, which accelerates the system and you don't have the basics right, it's like putting a Corvette engine in a Volkswagen bug. It'll go like hell in a straight line, but it doesn't have <laughs> enough brakes and suspension to turn or stop. So the point being is you accelerate a body that's out of balance with stuff like that, and it basically shortens your career, sets you up for muscle tears, and I've rehabbed piles of these guys and had to teach them how to do it right, and they always say the same thing. How come nobody ever taught me this? Well, unfortunately, um, because some of these things aren't well understood or pioneered by people that have practiced them enough to have enough authentic mastery to be able to explain it to people and that's what we do things like this podcast for and that's why i have an institute hell yeah so through the breath and through mindfulness we can move through the body and essentially recharge the human battery yes and that leads to mental clarity peacefulness and overall, if you're just looking from an athletic standpoint, accelerated gains, accelerated recovery, yeah. and then you'll be able to get back to that 1% to 3% yeah. Charlie Francis was talking about, right? Yeah. Yes. Let's dive in. So oxygen being one of them, let's talk about the six foundation principles yes. that you go through in HLC1. So the, well, first, the four doctors is, is the overarching control system. So Dr. Happiness, what is my dream, goal, or objective? Why am I doing this? Why do I eat better? Why do I train? Why Purpose. do I? Yeah. What is, how are you organizing your intention, your awareness, and your willpower to produce a result you want? The universe says yes to everything. So you might as well get clear about what you want said yes to, or your life feels like crap and you blame everybody else and you don't realize if you don't like it, look carefully at what you're choosing unconsciously, which means doing what everybody else is doing, even when it's not working usually. Remember, a culture is a bunch of people doing the same things, and we're in a sick culture. So in order for us to get wise and heal the culture, we've got to be smart people doing different things because the average person can never be successful at anything by definition of successful. So Dr. Happiness is what organizes awareness and intention. Dr. Diet is how we feed ourselves, and I break Dr. Diet down into an acronym, which is ECHO. The reason I say it's an echo is because whatever we do to the environment, we do to ourselves. So echo stands for energy, chemistry, hydration, and organics or organisms, the organisms that we eat. And if they're not organic, they're toxic. So we've got Dr. Happiness and Dr. Diet. Dr. Diet is how we feed the dream, and the body is inherent in the dream. Dr. Movement is how we move at the physical, emotional, and mental level, which is all the spiritual domain. And Dr. Quiet is how we rest effectively 
So we have total rest, which is sleep. We have active rest, which is using your specific um, training sport or activity at a reduced intensity, at least 30% reduced for active recovery. We have passive rest, which is doing something different. So a kickboxer or MMA fighter like you could do work in a swimming pool as passive rest, which would still give you exercise pumping and would actually speed recovery, decompress joints, help muscles heal, help you recover from impact, but still maintain a level of fitness without being in a state of total rest. So you actually get active and passive rest in the sense that you're moving, but it's passive because it's not using the same movement patterns or loading patterns as your primary activity so it doesn't detract from recovery that way mm. so we we have also the awareness of the movement of our emotions and the movement of our thoughts so as a person progresses and first learns to manage their body then we say okay now let's look at emotions then we look at how you're managing your mind because thoughts are things that move so each of the doctors has a physical component so doctor happy happy body facilitates a happy mind and stable emotions happy body and happy emotional uh, awareness and balanced biochemistry makes it easy to have a happy mind and healthy relationships. Dr. Quiet, resting because your body needs it, resting because we have to learn to detach ourselves from our beliefs and our behaviors enough to be present with other people. Sometimes we get triggered, so we have to take what I call a timeout and calm ourselves and take responsibility for resting our emotional turmoil to get centered again before we enter into the fire of relationship so we can be intelligent. And then at the mental level, learning to calm your mind by detaching yourself from it and, and witnessing it instead of being caught up in it. Dr. Diet, how do I feed my body, my physical body? How do I feed myself to balance my emotions? And how do I feed myself for optimal mental performance? And how do I feed myself in a way that is conscious of and respectful for the other life forms. So how do I, where do I put my money to support the world? For example, if I'm buying commercially raised food, I might be saving a few pennies, but I'm destroying the entire environment. That's not spiritual because that's totally unconscious of, of A, the way that animals are raised, and B, what it's doing to the entire planet. So eating correctly is how we balance our biochemistry to have healthy emotions. Eating correctly stabilizes the mind and eating with conscious awareness that what we choose to eat and means we choose to kill has an impact on the environment. And if we're destructive to the environment, the echo concept says it comes back at us. So look at the world now. It's echoing us back. Now, the six foundation principles work inside the four doctors. To get anywhere in your life, the four doctors is a classification of values. You have to have values to support your dream. So if your dream, for example, is to build a successful business or to have a beautiful body or to be more centered or more emotionally stable, you have to have values about how you're going to eat. Your yes has no value till you learn to say no. And until you have values that support your dream, you don't know when to say yes or no. So your values about how you're going to eat how you're going to choose to eat based on your individual metabolic or bodily needs because of your unique individuality. Um, so food values, hydration values, values about rest. When are you going to rest? When are you going to get to bed by? All the things I explained and how to eat, move, and be healthy in my Four Doctors ebook. Values around movement. 
what, how much is enough and what is too much and when do I need to work inside to grow my inner self-awareness because the soul is really the inner domain. So until we go inside of ourselves and learn to use movement as a source of inner growth, we never really know who we are. We externalize ourselves and we only identify ourselves by how much we can lift, how cool we are, how big our dick is, how nice our tits look. And that's, that is a dangerous externalization of self because all those things actually start sagging after a while and age comes upon us to force us to become an adult and to become a leader of a tribe or of a society so we can take people past superficial appearances. And so working in allows us to become a wise person before we're old and broken so that we can show people how to be healthy, fit, and wise. So within the context of the four doctors and the values that have to be in place to make choices to keep you aware of what happiness is for you, we have three yin principles, nutrition, hydration, sleep, and we have three yang or masculine principles, breathing, thinking, and movement. So the six foundation principles are all about what are the specific things I need with regard to nutrition, hydration, and sleep to balance me so I'm at my best to live those four doctors. And breathing, thinking, and movement are the principles about how do I express myself in the world. Breathing is yang because oxygen runs the capacity for oxidization, which we need to break energy down, food down, and convert it to energy to do anything, right? So that's the Krebs cycle, for example, cannot happen without oxidization. You can't convert food to energy without oxidization. And as I said, oxygen's paramagnetic. So if you don't have enough in it, your battery goes flat, and then you start reaching for soda pop, sugar, Red Bull, Monster, and... Uh, quick fixes that burn the body out yeah, because they're shitty lunch. You're going to be reaching for the same thing or you're yeah. fucking falling on your, on your desk. Yeah. Two o'clock. Yeah. You know, I say I'm from San Diego and people go to Mexico to get gas cause it's cheap, but the octane so low, your car barely runs and it knocks like hell. <laughs> so I say eating cheap food is like buying Mexican gas. You might have saved a few bucks, but your performance is terrible and it ruins your engine over time. Cause it's such a weak fuel that your body, your engine can't run right. And so you're always just digging deeper into the hole of depletion. So we have breathing, thinking, and movement, which we've talked about. But the difference is we use these six foundation principles with conscious awareness of our dream, goal, or objective. Without a North Star on our compass, we have no way to know how much is too much or too little of anything. And so what you see, people don't learn this until they're injured in pain, and there's not that many therapists, doctors, trainers, and coaches that are well put together and, and experienced enough to guide us because they're almost all doing the same damn stuff. And if you go to any conference for physical therapists, chiropractors, osteopaths, personal trainers, and strength coaches, you'll find something interesting. Even nutritionists, they're as beat up and broken and as lost as the people they coach. The Czech Institute was developed to help create masters who are authentically capable of guiding people not only to achieving their dreams, but to integrated spiritual growth and development so that we become whole people. And whole people are the wise people that used to be the tribal elders that teach everybody how to navigate life effectively, enjoy it, but live it fully, not to become a village idiot with tattoos who has to take drugs to maintain a false persona called an ego. 
And that's not a knock on people with tattoos. No, but, no, I'm just yeah. I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> look, a lot I, of a lot of the tattoos are are kind of like insignias of of belonging or insignias of I can take a lot of pain. Look how much tattoo I have. But if you want to tattoo yourself, tattoo it on the inside. Tattoo your heart with commitment to what really matters, and that is living your dream in a balanced way. Because whenever you're doing that, that tattoo radiates itself out into the world as an example for other people. And if what's on your skin doesn't make it into the world as leadership, then it's really just ink. Yeah, I want to. You touched on a really important piece there. I used to think, you know, traveling abroad and being in other cultures, seeing for myself firsthand just this vast divide in how we treat the elderly in the West, and and this is uh. It's not a knock on elderly, but <laughs> in the West, but, um, you know, in other cultures, the elders are looked at as the, the grandfathers, the grandmothers. They're the fucking ones that we go to for advice. And there's, yeah. there's still some of those relationships here. We may look up to our, our actual grandmother or actual grandfather, things like that. But part of the issue is that people are having an issue with aging and they're having an issue with aging because there's no value put into being old. Right. Nobody wants to be old because it's not fucking cool. So they'll yeah. they'll pump themselves full of Botox and everything, any, anything they can do to stay young. Yeah. And I think the issue is that in other cultures, the elderly are more valued because they're healthy. Yes. They're not fucked mentally. Yeah. They're not on every prescription under the sun. And that's not yeah. to say 100% of our elderly population in America is that way. No. It's just to say there's a lot of crotchety old fucks out there. And yeah. there's there's a lot of you know fucking grumpy old men. I mean that's that's the fucking name of a movie for a reason, right? Yeah. yeah. So if we take care of ourselves and we can change and become a badass fifty six year old who I wouldn't even say is old, you're stronger than I am right now. I want to grow up to be like you. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, then then we can acquire that wisdom. We don't lose ourselves to Alzheimer's, dementia, Parkinson's, and fucking a host of. God knows what else going on. Yeah, that that's gonna tackle everyone. And and there's if you've heard lately, all these baby boomers are about to run into some serious trouble, mm-hmm. and we're gonna have a serious already have healthcare issues. But really, it's gonna fucking hit us hard. Yeah, right. So changing that mm-hmm. by starting with ourselves and making yeah. sure we're the best possible version of ourselves moving forward can change the culture and change the way we look at our elders, and then we can have and be in a place of wisdom to yeah. teach the youth at a certain point. One of the, what you're describing is actually uh, the side effect of something much deeper. The first thing you have to develop in order to even mature into an elder is an ego. To have an ego, you have to be what is called in Jungian psychology, individuated. It means you have to take responsibility for the choices you're making. You have to be aware of your part in a community, a society, or a culture. It means that you're aware that your actions are being broadcast to all the young people, and they will emulate you because that's how it works in life. We always emulate people that we think are wiser or more successful, whether we know that they are or not. So if a person has not reached the point in their own growth and development where they know who they are, they know what their role is in society, and they're doing what they love to do because that's where their heart has taken them, 
then they never have enough passion and commitment to pursue their unique individuality, their unique creativity, and their unique contribution. So without the ego, then what you have is a bunch of people doing what everybody else does. So they go to church, they read the book, and they think God's going to burn them in hell for having sex or extramarital play or wearing clothes that aren't approved by the church or listening to music that's not approved. So what happens is you now have a culture that's so used to taking direction from authority who's been taught what to think, not how to think in our educational systems, and the pain of not individuating and being too much like everybody else and doing the same things and working your ass off to make money to buy cars just to survive leads to a culture that's in so much pain and lacks creativity because to be creative means to be do something different. And if you're in a culture that's based on factories and massive production, to do things different is a bad idea in an automated society. So it's downplayed, which is why our education system, when it was developed by plantation owners, highly resisted creativity because it is disruptive in a mass production system. So we were taught what to think, not how to think. And when we inherently get to a certain age, like about 35, if we're not at peace with who we really are and not proud of what we become and not comfortable in ourselves enough to be different or to stand up in church and say something like, wait a minute, how can you tell me that Christ was this loving person? How can you tell me that God is love yet ask me to sing a song like onward Christian soldiers marching off to war with the cross of Jesus going on before when he's the guy that said, love thy neighbor as thyself. So if we don't grow up to ask the questions that rattle around inside most of us and risk being in the fire of disrupting the status quo, of challenging the preachers and the teachers, and really getting our own questions answered so that we can be at peace within ourselves, that we're not just following some mindless program that leads to everything from world war to the destruction of the soils through commercial farming and genetic modification and all the other silly horseshit that people make all sorts of excuses that are very weak and lame to a well-educated man, then we don't individuate. So what happens is you become an old person who is now so frustrated that you've never actually lived and you're afraid to be different and you're so conditioned to fit in and be just like the Joneses that you have to drink alcohol, smoke cigarettes, take codeine, do drugs to numb the pain, the spiritual pain of knowing that you haven't lived yet. You have not become a wise person and you don't have much to share and that carries a lot of spiritual weight and pain and so people are actually not individuated. They have not grown their own creativity, their own identity, their own ego and the pain of being just like everybody else is enough to drive a person to doing drugs and to burying their head in the sand and saying, screw it, I got my Cadillac or my car, I got my diamond ring, and I got my pension. But we forget that none of that matters as your body breaks down and your health breaks down. If you don't age gracefully and you don't develop yourself spiritually, then death is the scariest thing in the world. But when you live fully, death becomes exciting because you, you can't help but ask the question, what's next? If God is as magnificent as magnificent would be to create a world 
that is this beautiful, this dynamic, this powerful, and this full of opportunity to grow, become, and to experience life, then that God has to be creative enough to say what's behind the curtain must be even more exciting. But you can't experience any more heaven on the other side than you can create in this side, because how would you even recognize it? Yeah, you're living in hell right now. You know, hell is hell and heaven have the same address, halfway between your left and right ear. <laughs> I love it, brother. I want to get you on here. You can get a sip here. That was a fucking beautiful, beautiful detailing. Um, we talked a bit about ego. I watched an incredible video. You have over 500 videos over now. Over 500 videos on, on YouTube. YouTube, yeah. Fucking incredible. So um, please, please dive into that uh, if you're listening to this and you like what you're hearing. I can and give you the address you if you want. Please do right now. It's a YouTube.com forward slash Paul C-H-E-K live, all stuck together. YouTube.com forward slash Paul Check live. And my blog, which also has those videos on it as they come out, with the written text is www.paulchechesblog.com. Hell yeah. So we touched on ego. Mm -hmm. This video I watched really, really touched me and kind of changed the way that I looked at my relationship with myself, my family, and and all. Mm -hmm. And I want you to talk about the I-we-all model. Yes. Well, this is an important one. Because the Abrahamic religions, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, pretty much all teach that you got to kill the ego, do everything for the church, blah, blah, blah. It's a great corporate religious plan. And believe me, I have nothing against religion. I think religions are beautifully designed to put us in situations where we have to grow up and decide to make decisions for ourselves instead of believing what's written on paper. And all the mystical branches of the religion, so istical, uh, mystical Islam, which is uh, Sufism, uh, mystical Judaism, which is Kabbalah, and mystical Christianity, which is a variety of them from the Gnostics to the White Brotherhood and several other sects, they all went way beyond the teachings, the standard teachings of the church because they reached the point where they realized practicing what everybody else is practicing isn't creating enlightenment, so they took it upon themselves to go deeper and get to the core of what these things said. And, you know, Shankara, who was a famous philosopher sage from India, made a very, very important point, and he said, no man can understand Scripture until he's enlightened, and when he's enlightened, he doesn't need Scripture. So the point I'm making is if you look at all the people teaching in churches and temples worldwide, less than one fraction of 1% of them are enlightened. So they're only just giving their egos interpretation of what God apparently wrote down. And no more God can pass through you than you have developed yourself spiritually. And even if God did write those books, you have to have the God in you to interpret them as godly or you get a bunch of mass confusion And so the point that I'm leading to here is that most of the religions that are practiced in the Western world are all about giving yourself away and doing things for other people, which means that you never actually learn to love yourself first. And how do you give love if you don't have it? How do you do things for others 
at the expense of yourself without creating illness and disease and then modeling that to society. And all you got to do is go to the churches and temples all over the world and it's like a collection of the sick of the sick and people are praying to God to give them another flat screen television, take their bills away, which is completely, you know, unrealistic to what a spiritual practice is about. We're supposed to be able to handle those things because we're intelligent adults that take responsibility for what we create. So the I stage of my philosophy is different because it says to love the world, you have to love yourself enough to have enough energy to go create something and participate in the world. And in the tribal elders that raised the children, well, the young adults were out hunting and, and meeting the needs of the tribe, were the wise ones that had already lived a full life that were more patient and compassionate and taught the ki kids through art, singing, dancing, and storytelling, which is the best way to teach. Interestingly enough, 95% of all the education imparted in our education systems comes by way of the mathematical, logical learning process, which is only the ideal process for 5 to 8% of human beings on the planet. The rest of us learn visually, kinesthetically, or auditorially, yet we're forced into this box and then we're graded and belittled because we don't learn well in a system that's not designed for most people. And so it diminishes the ego, it diminishes the I, and people are constantly now codependent on other people to make them feel good. My system says find out what your dream is, manage your four doctors, eat, breathe, exercise, live, and go create something that makes you happy and makes you feel good so that when you get up in the morning, got a smile on your face and everywhere you go, you're smiling and you're sharing your passion, your love and your commitment. And that is how love's boomerang works. And when you live that way, that doesn't mean you don't run into problems. But remember, a labor of love is sustainable. No mother is likely to be able to sustain the journey of raising a child or a family if she doesn't love her kids. If she had to raise somebody else's kids the chances of them being raised <laughs> through the follies of that children put us through would, would not be a good view. And look at the rate of criminality, disease, and dysfunction amongst the kids that are not raised with love. It's clear. All I'm saying is to have a dream and to go for something that makes you happy, even if it might not be something your mom or your dad or your religion agrees with, if it's what opens your heart, then enter the hero's journey, grow some balls or some ovaries, and step into yourself. Know that the only thing that will get you through the challenges of life effectively without a bunch of drug surgery and pain and tears that are unnecessary is love itself. And when you live like, Kyle, you're a happy man because you're doing what you love to do. You exude, this is who I am. I love my podcasting, I love my training, I love my martial arts, and all of it made you a useful person to other people because you have something to share. At 35, you're now a tribal elder. Fuck yeah. Okay? You heard it first. Elder. Now, remember, every relationship is 50% I. I'm in a relationship with you. You're responsible for your 50%. I'm responsible for my 50%. If I don't love myself enough to manage myself, grow myself, and step into life fully in my shoes, and I show up to meet with you on a podcast like this, if I'm 10% missing, how much of a deficit did I create in the relationship? 
I don't know. I'm bad at math. I'm glad you're bad at math because it looks like it would only be 10%. If I'm 50% of the relationship and I'm 10% missing, it looks like he can only reach 90% of my 50%. But the fact is, if I'm 10% gone, there's 10% of me I can't give to him. There's 10% he cannot access. That's 20%. There's 20% of me, 10% you can't get to, and 10% of me I left at home in an argument or trained too hard in the gym or uh, feeling sad about my poor situation or whatever it is. So anytime we come into a relationship with another, we double our deficit because the other person can't access that part of us either. So I means I honor my relationships enough to be honest with myself and live and love fully and grow myself so that when I sit down or interact with my lover, my wife, my partner, my child, my school teacher, my mentor, my friends, I am there. And there is a real relationship, and a we can only be made of the two people that come together. Whenever we are acting in a way that impacts other people, such as being a teacher or a parent, I stands for one, we stands for two, all stands for three or more. So if mom and dad don't realize that by having a child, they've been promoted spiritually to the level of all responsibility, then they're unconscious of their arguing, fighting, and their dirty little games, and their sex on the side, and all the stuff they think they're hiding from the kids, is teaching the kids that that's exactly what a relationship looks like, and they're programming the child to go out into the world, tell lies, keep it under the table, go to church, pretend you're a good Christian, whatever, and then go live like an idiot for six more days and hope Jesus or somebody's going to wipe all that silliness out. Repent. Yeah, you know, (laughs) it's repent every day. But as Osho says, sinning is doing something twice when you don't knew it didn't work the first time. So, you know, we have to become adults to have relationships. An adult is someone who means what they say and says what they mean and sticks to it. And to do that, you got to think before you talk to make sure that's what you really want to say and it's what you really mean, or you create all sorts of turmoil in relationships. The key point, though, is I is the foundation of we, and anything we do becomes a message to the all. So just like you said, we've got a lot of elderly people that are really acting like teenagers, overusing drugs, not caring about issues that matter, not supporting the growth and development of the children because many of them have not grown beyond the level of the teenagers. And the reason they resent them is because they see themselves being mirrored back at them and have lots of criticisms, but really often haven't grown beyond that. When we do meet a wise elder, we sense the love, we sense the stability, and we can tell because there's empathy and compassion. They don't tell us what we shouldn't do. They tell us ways that we can do what we love to do better or how to find what we love to do so we feel whole. Then when we realize that we're all teaching each other 24-7 and know how, how matter how sick you are, tired or you are, fat you are, or sad you are, there's always somebody worse than you, which means everyone is teaching somebody. And when we realize that the silent teacher is the greatest teacher and the silent lover is the greatest lover, 
we realize that we always can inspire somebody. And the first thing we got to do is inspire ourselves. And instead of waiting around for God to come blow smoke up your dress, then just get clear on what it is that makes you feel good that, that's worth living for. Because if you ain't living for it, you're dying for it anyhow. 1,000%. Speaking of that, if you're not living for it, you're dying for it. You mentioned to me, I think in the sauna the other day, that there is a time and a place where somebody may do something, say a job, because I'm sure the bulk of people listening to this probably aren't doing their dream job right now. Right. If it is for a purpose, if it's building mm-hmm. towards something where you can go after your dreams and can go after your goals, yeah. that is the one exception. Is that correct? Well, yes, it's correct, but I would slightly reframe that and say if let's say for example let's just use you as an example say that you were still a professional fighter and you reached the point where you could start to say okay you know i don't know if i can continue this for too many more years it's too hard on my body i'm aging and i'd rather go out with some grace and i need to find another way to express my love and earn a living to support my family So you might say, well, I think I might want to go to the Czech Institute and study holistic health and become a holistic lifestyle coach or a Czech professional, but I don't have the money to do that. I got to make, you know, a few thousand dollars to get myself through there and carry me through to practice. So if you say, okay, well, look, if I can win three more fights and put 10 or 15 or 20,000 bucks in the bank, even though you feel tired and you wish you could just climb out of the ring right now, you are actually living your dream because you're making the first step toward the dream, which is to create the financial stability to get you into the next phase. So that's what we call the effective use of the prostitute archetype. Prostitute archetype is active whenever you're doing something for money, but it's not something that you love to do. But the prostitute archetype in its negative expression means you keep doing that. In its positive expression, you say, I continue to, to do my martial arts to make the money to make the transition, or I continue to work uh, in, my, in the nail salon making people's nails and toes beautiful, even though I can't stand the smell of it and the chemicals are killing me, but I want to go to school to be um, a dental hygienist. So you see, once you set your dream compass in a direction – then you use whatever opportunity you have to create the momentum to get you there. And it's a lot easier to do because now you know that what was stressful, why do I keep doing this, now becomes meaningful. And you can see that there's closure ahead. You can say, ah, I need this much money. If I budget well and plan well, I'm already on my way to living my dream fully. And that's the intelligent use of moving from the transition of I'm not really enjoying this or I can't keep doing this to instead of being scared, what am I going to do next? Saying, okay, my dream is, and now it becomes meaningful. And then you have a lot more life force in you, a lot more love in you, and a lot more compassion. And you're much more likely to win those matches because you know that they're opening the door to your next career. And so instead of going in feeling burned out with your inner bitch, as you call it, whispering in your ear kevin ross called it that it was phenomenal okay the inner bitch that resonated with me quite a bit right i think joe rogan's talked about that as well but the key point is is the inner bitch is silent when you're acting out a labor of love 
because it's a transition state. Just like if you're doing something that's challenging, like I had to do a lot of jobs I didn't like to feed my family when I was a young man. Look, I was an 18, I just turned 18, had my son, both of our parents' families were broke. I had no excuses, and I have too much ego to collect welfare and drain off the government. I just, my, my, my pride is too big. So I went out and made ends meet. I didn't care if I have to fix crab traps or if I had to work in a logging camp or dig ditches or mend fences or split firewood. I just made it happen because it was a labor of love. But I also knew that every one of those things were not who I really was. So my constant survey for a better opportunity was on. I was big ears, big eyes, and big nose about opportunity and I did what I had to do to feed the family and keep the bills paid and be a contributor to society while always looking for the next best opportunity. And that's how we figure out who we really are. We keep doing what we got to do to grow ourselves, but our heart will always tell us, hey, splitting firewood isn't the way you want to live the rest of your life. It's meaningless. It's just a way to make money. Okay, what's next? Okay, well, maybe I can go work on a drilling rig. There's a lot of drilling going on in this area or in a logging camp. There's a lot of logging going on and I can go get some skills and I can learn to relate to the world in a different way and I can earn more money. And then that starts to not feel good anymore. And you say, well, what's next? But you see each step you're getting wiser. You're becoming more responsible. You're becoming more of an adult. You're growing your skill set. You're growing your communication and relationship skills because you can't move forward in any organization if you don't grow your skill set as communication and relationship skills. You can just be a, a, a smart guy that nobody wants to be around and you'll be in the back shuffling boxes for the rest of your life with your PhD. So do you see that what I'm saying is that following your heart and Owning your responsibility to yourself and your family or your commitments is the only way to grow spiritually. But to listen to your heart and keep your eyes and ears open is how you gather the pieces of yourself that ultimately all of a sudden one day align and you go, oh my God, all the pain and all the challenges I went through now become highly meaningful because without the skills Without the challenges, I would have never grown myself to be wise enough to see the path I'm on now. And you realize there was a beautiful, invisible plan all the time. And the only compass you have to tell you when to change direction is your heart. Your head's just full of ideas that came from other people. And that's not the way to guide your life because most of those people don't live a happy life. And if I said to you, go through your head map out every idea and where you got it from, then go look at the lives of the people that gave those ideas to you. How many of those people do you want to emulate? It wouldn't be very many, would it? Not if you knew them well. No. So the best thing to do is get confident enough in yourself to trust your own ideas and take the best from the best to create something uniquely beautiful called you and navigate life doing the best you can to love yourself enough to have something to share with other people and then pain and challenge becomes meaningful growth as opposed to give me a drug, the world's beating me up, I can't take it anymore. 1,000%. So many people feel lost or stuck. You know, they, they yeah. do what they need for cash. They do what they need. They, they, and, and I think I could understand that. 
the part that's hard for me is seeing people who finish college or they get done with their schooling and they get their job and they just think this is the fucking routine. This is what I'll do the rest of my life. Or I'll, I'll maybe I'll look for another job in the same sector or the same, you know, type of work. And it's not the fit that drives you. It's not the fit that fills your heart. Right. And it's rather than having their ears big and their nose big and their fucking eyes wide open yeah. searching for something with meaning that really drives them, that sparks their inner fire. They throw in the fucking towel or they numb themselves with fucking alcohol and different things to just blunt the pain rather than continuing the search. Fucking keep the spark alive inside. There's an underlying theme behind what you're describing, and it is this belief. If I have lots of money, my life will be just fine and I'll be okay. But money does not buy love. Money doesn't buy beauty. Money doesn't buy the best partner to live your life with. Money is a grand illusion. And money is a form of power. But the way you do anything is the way you do everything. So what we find out quickly when we have money, if we have to go to work and do things and be with people we don't enjoy, our money's not making us happy. If we're painting a picture of health on the outside with boobs, lip jobs, and now we got even guys in the gyms with fake pecs, abs, and calves. And when I first saw that, I almost <laughs> fell out of my skin. I'm like, oh my God. But you see, people think that money is the way to get through life and medicate your problems, but it isn't. Money is really only one form of power, like food, water, exercise, breathing, um, higher consciousness. Money is only meaningful when it fuels your journey, your hero's journey into really coming to find what life is all about and living a rich, full life. I would far rather hang out with people that don't have a lot of money but are highly creative and honest in how they feel and honest in their communications than a bunch of people with a lot of toys and money because they're usually very boring and they're they have tried to medicate themselves with a lot of distractions and look how many of them commit suicide. Look at all the movie stars, the singers and the actors and the people that have all the money and all the sex you could ever want, but life becomes so flat they kill themselves because they didn't find a spiritual path. They didn't find something meaningful. They can only go so far with material. All money can buy you is material possessions and give you control over other people, which is never healthy. So the point that I'm making is people going to college and getting all these fancy degrees and thinking I'm going to live happily ever after are going based on the premise that money is what makes life easy. It's the biggest facade with the biggest pair of teeth. Am I saying money's not helpful? No, it's very helpful. I love money. But I'm saying money without love is dangerous because you can afford to bury your head in the sand and use a lot of drugs and get surgeries to try to take shortcuts that never work. Yeah, you touched on something there. And I think a lot of people would argue, well, you still need a roof over your head. You still need food. You still need these things. And with regards to Maslow's hierarchy mm -hmm. and covering the fucking bases, yeah. there for... In America, at least, there's far more people that have those fucking bases covered in Maslow's hierarchy. They have a roof over their heads. They have food on the table. Mm -hmm. They have a car to drive. They have transportation. They have communication. Fucking bums have cell phones now. 
Yeah. Right? But if you still feel fucking empty inside, then something's missing. Mm-hmm. Well, the first thing is the food that you just talked about that they have isn't food, so they don't have the basics covered. And if you don't have food, you don't have health. And if you don't have health, you don't know the difference between happy and sad because you can never feel happy because you don't have the biochemistry to support it. Yeah, that's a fucking massive one I want to dive back into. You had a, one of my favorite quotes of all time is that sooner or later, your health will be your number one concern. <laughs> yeah, it could true. be fucking, you could make it your number one concern right now mm-hmm. or you'll do it on your fucking deathbed. Yeah. But at some point, oh shit. This is really important. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And food, people don't understand that, you know, it's, it's, and I use the example all the time when we talk about cattle. Grass-fed cow, good for the environment. Uh, free roaming is going to punch and sequester soil back into the soil. It's going to have a much greater fat profile. It's mm-hmm. going to be generally just a fucking very good thing for you. Yes. On the flip side of that, Full of toxins. All the toxins and 80% of the antibiotics used. Is that right? I think you know the numbers better than I do. For for factory farmed animals in America. 80% of all fucking antibiotics go to factory farmed animals because they're sick. Yeah. And they stand in their own shit and they're fucking shoulder to shoulder. And all the problems with that. I use that as an example to illustrate the difference between a naturally raised organic animal versus Mm -hmm. what we do with them currently. Right? In the Mm -hmm. matrix. Yeah. But food, people don't tie in this baseline understanding that if it's not good for you, mm-hmm. it will fuck up how you feel. It will yeah. fuck up how you think. Yeah. It will change neurochemistry. It yeah. will alter the microbiome in a yeah. way that you cannot produce serotonin properly. Yeah. 80% of our serotonin comes from our gut. From the fucking gut. Mm-hmm. Dopamine, the feel-good neurotransmitter, yeah. all of it created in the gut. Mm-hmm. So when we mess with that, and you, you, you talked about a great, a great topic too. I don't want to get off topic here, but, but you don't reward yourself. If your goal is weight loss, you don't drop 20 pounds and then eat a fucking cheesecake and a giant Domino's pizza as reward. That's not a reward. That's punishment. Yeah. That's two steps forward, one and a half to two steps back. Yeah. Right? But what we put into ourselves creates how we think, how we feel, yeah. how we operate in the world. That is one of the, the core tenets of the eye. Yes. So that can fill our cup or it can deplete it. Yes. So taking that out to the we and the all yeah. changes everything right out of the gate. There's a, there's a, uh, I want to introduce a concept here to kind of bring it to a greater depth of clarity. And that is everything you're describing about people eating poor quality food, saving money on food, eating garbage, going to fast food restaurants, um, we have a huge problem with overeating, as you know, and obesity. But what people don't realize is they think their body is just the physical body, their arms, their legs, their nose, what they see in the mirror. But we also have an emotional body. This is all scientifically valid. We have an astral body. We have a physical body, an etheric body, an astral or emotional body. We have a lower mental body. We have a higher mental body. We have a causal body. And this is all hard science. I mean, this used to be kind of metaphysical foo-foo, but all you got to do is look at a book, um, The Encyclopedia of Subtle Energy Anatomy by Cynthia Dale, and it's hardcore scientific research backing all this up. I'm bringing you to a point, and I hope everybody's listening carefully. Our physical body feeds on food. Our emotional body feeds on emotions. 
and our mental body feeds on thoughts. Most people are eating food to try to fill emotional voids and mental voids. If you keep doing the same shit over and over, you have no creativity, you're not growing in your relationships, then you begin to starve emotionally and starve mentally. And if you're not conscious, you will try to feed that emptiness with physical food. And if you use poor quality food, it makes it worse because you're perceiving that from the level of your physical body, which is the lowest level of consciousness. And if you throw the biochemistry out, then your emotional emptiness gets magnified because now the reptilian mind in you, the basic brainstem structures that are oriented towards safety, sustenance, and procreation cannot be satiated. Therefore, there's the animal in you is in a state of shock and fear going, oh my God. So it triggers off a fight or flight reflex, elevates adrenaline levels, elevates cortisol levels, and orientates the mind towards fear, towards what it doesn't have. And the body is screaming, feed me, feed me real food, give me real water and give me some rest and give me some exercise. But all of that becomes a source of skewing our awareness such that we're now so trapped in this unconscious or conscious fear of what our body's not giving. I mean, look, you don't get fat overnight. You look at yourself in the mirror and six months or a year later, you're wrapped in 30 or 40 extra pounds. And a year later, you got another 30 or 40 pounds. So it's not like the body's not warning us. You don't get sick overnight. Diseases take years. Cancer is something you've got to work at for at least 10 years to manifest. My point is simply this. If people would do the kinds of things we're talking about, spend more time in playfulness, spend more time being creative, do some art, take some rocks and make some art patterns on the ground with rocks, cut your yard in a neat way, trim your bushes in a neat way, Make your body beautiful out of an expression of art, not because you're trying to keep up with the Joneses. Get a piece of paper and some pens and some colors and just express yourself and doodle or do anything. Go out with your kids and play. And who gives a shit how many goals they score, how perfect they look in front of the neighbors. Go out and be with the kids just to experience life together and have no perceived need for an objective outcome. Go into the unrational. We are so trapped in the logic and trying to pass tests and impress the neighbors that we forget how to live. And when we get too trapped in the logical, the rational, and the objective, we forget that the subjective is the other side of the coin. Love is not something you can weigh and measure. It's something that you can feel and you know because when there's love, there's connection. But if we keep telling ourselves and everybody else what's wrong with them and they're not smart enough and they're not good enough, and they're not making enough money and they're not pretty enough, then we get more and more emotionally void and we feel like we're starving inside. And when we use bad food to fill the hole instead of healthy relationships and creativity and a willingness to have a spirituality that makes you feel more in touch with great spirit instead of what some book says, if we don't feed ourselves with healthy emotions and we don't orient our thoughts towards producing something that creates freedom for us, which we call the dream, can you see how we keep stuffing food in the wrong body and it makes us sick? We're feeding the wrong place. We're feeding the wrong level of our being. 
and we're so trapped in the materialistic mindset and scientific materialism, it's killing the planet rapidly. Fuck, brother. I hate to say it, but that fucking concludes this round. We're going to have to fucking run it back for sure. Well, I'm, you know, I'm all for giving as much of my love and life experience as I can to people that are ready to contribute to love and growth and leadership because right now we need to hold hands and circle the globe with consciousness, love, and commitment and get rid of all racial and ethnic boundaries and we need to turn our militaries into world peace workers, not spending trillions of dollars on weapons to destroy a planet that's already being destroyed. And we've got to stop spending billions of dollars to put 50 people on Mars or on the moon because they'll be the only 50 people with anything left. And the rest of the 7 billion people have to sit here and go, oh my God, what the hell did we do? And right now, Project Earth is Project Love and Project Earth and Project Love are Project Happy and that's one thing we can all hold hands and agree upon together because if we are anything, we are earth, water, fire, and air. And right now, three-quarters of those are in very bad shape because we keep taking shortcuts to try to impress people with how smart we are instead of how whole we are. So I say hallelujah to this podcast because it's getting the message out there. And I say anytime you want to tap into me i'll share as much as i got with you and everyone willing to join the party fuck yeah well a thousand percent we'll run it back uh we got a special gift from the czech institute if you go to the czech institute.com slash on it o-n-n-i-t you can get the healthy core cycle checklist right on and that'll be a 100 percent free giveaway it is and it's good information and it'll help you with a lot of the things we're talking about organizing your Four doctors checking your core out. And just remember, it's C-H-E-K. 100%. And as well, if you want to dive into stuff further, the place that I started was with How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy. It's available on Amazon. It's also available on thecheckinstitute.com. An absolute game changer for me. Paul, thank you so much for joining us on it. And it will fucking happen again, hopefully sooner than later. My pleasure. And Next time I come, I'm going to lift some even heavier weights, so get ready. <laughs> the older, I, got, I got some homework to do. I'm getting older, so I'm getting more practice, you see. <laughs> That's right. Thank you very much, brother. Lots much of appreciated. love. Thank you all for joining us. Cyber, 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 cyber. Monday, 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 Monday. Cyber motherfucking Monday. Check it out. We did our Black Friday, the blackest of all Black Fridays, and it is... None more black than this Black Friday. But guess what? Black Friday's over. And you've got one day left because it's Cyber Motherfucking Monday. So be sure to go to onnit.com to receive fat discounts on all kinds of your favorite supplements. If you've been waiting and bitching and belly aching about the cost of things, you can grab them now for a very, very fat discount. And you can also get equipment. That's probably the biggest one I think I've been telling all my friends and family to do is... Buy your equipment now. Kettlebells, steel maces, battle ropes. we got the new Spider-Man battle ropes. They're all 18% off across the board. Some of them have been even marked down even greater. So I think we've got a a giant werewolf kettlebell that's 50% off. I mean, there's just a ton of great deals. Check it out. See what you want and stock up for the year because you know you're going to be using this shit. I know that I run out of alpha brain quick. 
So every Black Friday, even though I'm a company man now and I get my alpha brain for free, every Black Friday in the past, I'd stock up and you should do the same.